Welcome to the Unforgotten Families Podcast, an action-oriented community of hope, inclusivity, and compassion for all medically fragile families. This podcast was created to spread awareness, share solutions, and advocate for the needs of these resilient individuals. It's our hope that the information and stories we share will inspire and empower you to join us in advocating for these families and help to ensure that they are never forgotten. Hello, Tough Advocates. Thank you so much for joining us at another episode of the Unforgotten Families podcast. I am here with an amazing mother named Stephanie, who is the mother to her daughter named Gabriella, who is three years old. And first, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Can you just start by sharing a little bit about your family and your daughter, Gabriella? Uh, yes. So we are a family of eight. Um, it is myself, um, Gabriella's father, and we have six children altogether. Gabriella is our youngest. Uh, she is three years old. Gabriella was born um, via emergency C-section at 37 weeks, so technically considered a full term. At the time that she was delivered, uh, she was not breathing on her own. Uh, she was intubated. She started suffering from seizures. They cooled her for uh, 72 hours in an attempt to kind of, um, what's the best way I can put it, to kind of uh, help as far as like seizures and uh, to protect her brain the best they could. Um, so after the 72, 72 hours, they started warming her. Um, she started seizing again. Uh, she was pretty sick. I in the NICU. Um, so as she started to get a little better, they started to do MRIs. So they noticed that Gabriella had a brain bleed. So brain bleeds, um, for those who don't know, are on a scale from one to four, uh, with one being the least amount of uh, blood loss into the brain and four being uh, the most. Gabriella suffered a grade three uh, brain bleed bilateral, so in both sides of her brain. Um, so she has severe brain damage. Of course, with that also comes uh, her diagnosis of cerebral palsy. Um, she does have epilepsy. She does have hydrocephalus. She is G-tube dependent, so she currently does not eat anything by mouth. Um, everything is G-tube fed, as well as her medications. She's on quite a few medications as well. She, is, uh, she has a global developmental delay. So as far as um, like what she's capable of, Gabriella is three years old, uh, but she's still pretty much working on head control. She cannot sit on her own. Um, she cannot stand up. She is nonverbal. Um, so pretty much all of her daily cares are uh, taken care of by me. She's lucky to have such an awesome mama like you. We are so lucky to have Gabby. Thank you for sharing all of that. For people that don't fully understand, you know, with children like Gabby, there are home and community-based services where basically the state legally has to provide families the care that your child needs so that you can live a somewhat, you know, normal life. From what I took from you, we had a brief conversation, and I believe you told me that the services provided to families like yours in Missouri 
has gotten so bad uh, that you kind of opted out of those services because of the horror stories that you heard. So I'd love to understand, you know, what some of those issues are that you heard that led you to that decision. Yes. Um, so let me start off by saying everybody, not everything works for everybody. Um, so while Gabby was in the NICU, you know, it was a really tough time. Um, it was really hard to watch her go through that. And at one point we were not sure that she would even make it. Um, so as she started to get better, um, I kind of became like a super mama bear. You know, I, I want her by me at all times. So the second I took her home from the hospital, I knew that I would not be able to work. At that point, um, my focus was only Gabby, uh, helping Gabby get better and helping her be the healthiest, happy, happiest baby possible. So, of course, uh, she has, a, a, you know, a ton of doctor's appointments, therapy appointments, in-home therapy. Um, and I've kind of made it a point from birth to do my very best to see if, you know, I could kind of be her caregiver. Um, I knew that caregiving services were out there, of course, through uh, social workers who kind of told me, you know, Gabby is a lot of work. Gabby does require uh, daily nursing. So that was an option for me. But I did choose to opt out of having a registered nurse come into the home. Um, I kind of wanted that to be me. You know, I wanted to be able to do that on my own. So in, in my opinion, you know, when your kids are sick, or when your kids are hurt, or they don't feel well, um, the best thing for them are their parents who love them, they feel safe, and they feel protected. Um, and that is Gabby every day, every day can be a struggle for Gabby. You know, every day, something can come up for Gabby. So she needs me uh, more than anything. On top of that, you know, another reason why I opted out of having nursing done in home uh, was because of, like you said, a lot of the horror stories that I did hear from people who did have that. Um, you know, I heard that they were not reliable. You know, sometimes they would show up and sometimes they wouldn't show up. You know, maybe sometimes they might get a nurse um, that doesn't mesh very well with the family, or maybe they don't mesh very well with the child. Um, and that is a big concern for me. You know, one of the reasons I feel like a lot of families have to have in home nursing is because they do have to have another job uh, to go to. So if that nursing is unreliable, you can't work. You know, if your nurse doesn't show up, you can't have a job, you know, and call off consistently. You know, it also, you know, Gabby requires so many doctor's visits, even if I did have a nurse that would come into the home um, you know, I would still have to call off for emergencies or, you know, appointments and therapies and different things. So, you know, based on those, you know, I really felt like it was in Gabby's best interest uh, that I take care of the in-home nursing for her. Absolutely. And and can you talk a little bit about, you know, you're, you're saying you know, if you had a nurse and you had to call in, um, can you just talk about a, some of the 
you know, struggles that that also just adds to the stress of the family. It sounds like you have eight people in your family. I'm guessing that means six kiddos. How important is stability to Gabby and to your family? Uh, so stability is extremely important uh, to my family. Um, with having so many children, I have a ton of responsibilities that I have to do on a daily basis, um, not including Gabby. Um, you know, cooking and cleaning and regular household chores that you would need to do school pickups and drop offs. Um, So I am very busy. um, But you know, me set aside Gabby is a very busy girl. Uh, Gabby has a ton of doctor's appointments that she has to go to monthly, sometimes weekly. Uh, There are times in the week that she might have three or more appointments. Um, You know, those can last anywhere from an hour to three hours, uh, depending on how many she has. Sometimes she has two in a day. Um, She also has therapy uh, weekly. So it can make it very difficult to um, set aside time that I would need to find for a nurse to come into the home to care for Gabby, depending on what our schedule is. Gabby loves security and comfort and love. Uh, So to me, you know, I'm not sure that a stranger can necessarily offer those things to Gabby. And from what I hear from other families is that, you know, sometimes if their nurse is not reliable, they have to get a new nurse, they have to send a new person in. And I would just prefer to not have that for Gabby. I would really prefer you know, if, if I ever did choose to have nursing, that, that it would always be the same nurse, that she would always be reliable. And that is very hard to find. It is. I mean, there's so many different, there's so many different aspects to that, right? There's part one is these nurses are getting paid pennies compared to what they make in the hospital. So a, it's hard for it to find a nurse that can stay in these situations because they might be taking a 30, 40, 50% pay cut to be in the home. And then you have to decide, does this nurse have the right skill set for my child? And then if those two parts match, are they the right personality fit? Like I always say, I wouldn't even want my best friend in my house for 40 hours a week. Like I wouldn't. Um, and so now you have to have a person that also is a personality fit and you have eight family members, <laughs> you know, so all of these levels. Yes. And then are these, after they've passed all those tests, is that nurse close to your home and can that be something that they can Mm -hmm. do on a regular basis for until, you know, Gabby's 18 years old, 21 years old. Um, So these are all things that people don't see and understand. One thing that I was thinking about uh, while you were sharing your story is that you do have eight family members and it sounds like you aren't working. Um, What kind of stress does that put on your family? Uh, Financially, it's a big stress. Um, I would really love to bring in a second income um, and, you know, help to provide for my family. Uh, Sometimes it is a struggle with dad having to work sometimes six and seven days a week. Uh, Sometimes he can do 50, 60 hours a week or more. So he is gone majority of the time. Um, you know, if he's not at work, he's sleeping. So that pretty much leaves me to care for everything on my own. Um, as far as to kind of backtrack just a little bit nursing, um, it's never, it has never been my goal to have, um, an outside nurse come into my home. 
Um, it has always been my goal to do it on my own. Um, I feel safer knowing that if I'm doing it, I know what I'm doing. Um, in my personal opinion, you know, I know Gabby inside and out. Every diagnosis, every medication, feeding schedule, you know, what does she look like if she's having seizures? You know, if she's not sleeping, you know what's going on. I know her up and down. And I, you know, I personally feel like I'm the best person for the job. Um, as big of a financial hit as that took, um, you know, whatever it takes for Gabby, you know, we have to make it work. She is my number one priority at all times. That means that, you know, I have to take a step back and not have an income, um, although it is, you know, it, it kind of sucks, but um, I will do whatever I need to do to make sure that, that she gets the best care possible. And I personally feel like that care is provided by me. Absolutely. That leads me perfectly into something that I wanted to talk about because we briefly, I got to introduce you to the family CNA program that's happening in Colorado and soon Arizona, which allows family members of medically fragile children to be trained as certified nursing assistants so that they can be paid caregivers of their child with special needs. And multiple levels of legislation have passed in your state of Missouri but there's people in the government organizations that are basically blocking it, quite frankly. Why do you feel this program would benefit your family? I feel that it would benefit my family in so many ways. Um, you know, as, as we've talked about, you know, we are on a one income. Um, that does take a big financial hit to our family. Um, you know, we're not always able to do everything that we would love to do um, because we just we can't afford that on one income. Um, so as far as bringing in the second income, it would be amazing. You know, I feel like even if I were to choose to have a regular, um, you know, outside nurse come into my home, it still would not free up enough time for me to have a regular 40 hour work week. Um, it would be pretty much impossible. Um, unfortunately, if I did ever find a job and I had nursing, I would probably end up being let go um, or I would be forced to leave because of the amount of therapies and hospital visits that she needs. Um, you know, not even to mention the fact of, you know, any sort of medical emergency that she might be having, you know, if the nurse is not reliable, I would have to call off. So really it, it would be extremely hard for me to ever find a job and be able to hold a job, even with nursing. If I did, it would probably be a low level job not a very good paying job. Um, and to be honest, you know, dad might make more on his, you know, seventh day working in a row than I would be able to make in a week, um, you know, at one of those jobs. So it would be huge for us financially. Um, and, you know, it would, it would make me feel so much better about providing for my family. It would make the kid's life, you know, a lot easier. Dad would be able to be home more. Um, and so, you know, that, that would be huge for us. Um, another thing is, uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm the best one for the job. You know, I, I know her inside and out through the program. I did become CPR certified. Um, I am a certified home health aide. I have went through all of these steps to prove 
that I can be a caregiver and that I am a caregiver every day. Um, Gabby is not just surviving, she's thriving. Um, I'm the best one for the job and I've been doing it for a long time. She's doing great. And I think that what people need to fully understand, which I alluded to earlier, is that someone is being paid to be at your home no matter what. If you were to take a nurse, that nurse is going to be paid by the state. And you are providing that care when a nurse isn't there. And so if you are certified and if you are capable and it's actually cheaper for the state, why not let the family and the parent and the father, whoever it is that wants to, why not let them be the caregiver? Correct. Because of Gabby's diagnosis and the amount of care that she needs, she is required to have nursing every single day. Um, As far as Medicaid um, and health insurance goes, she is approved to have nursing. Um, In the state of Missouri, there are a lot of different programs out there um, that I could take advantage of for Gabby. Um, She could have a registered nurse come in the home. She could have a caregiver come into the home. I can appoint a caregiver for Gabby. It could be her grandparents. It could be her sibling. It could be the 18-year-old neighbor across the street. They do not have to be CPR certified from my knowledge. Um, I can just appoint them and they can come do other caregiving duties for Gabby, such as bathing and other things. And the state will pay for that. It's pretty upsetting for me that I have gone through the steps to prove that I am more than capable of giving care to my daughter and they will not allow it based on the fact that I am her parent. I've heard actually a few reasons as to why I I would not be allowed to be her caregiver. Um, The first one that I heard was that parents can't be caregivers because I'm already a caregiver. Um, And that could not be any further from the truth. Um, I have a lot of children in the house. Um, I've raised a lot of children and Gabby is different uh, than raising a healthy, a medically uncomplicated child. These children do not require G-tube feedings and medications and therapies. Um, You know, Gabby has to be, um, you know, in a seating device. Gabby requires uh, stretching and massages throughout the day. Um, So taking care of Gabby requires nursing. Um, it's not just, you know, waking up to a, uh, to a healthy three-year-old who is going to walk down to the kitchen and get themselves something to eat. If I woke up tomorrow and said, well, I'm not a nurse and I will not do nursing duties for my daughter. So I will not be administering medication today, or I will not be doing G-tube feeding today. Unfortunately, um, Gabby would succumb to her injuries um, she, because she requires that nursing every day. Um, and I feel that personally, I've, I've taken the steps and there's no reason why I should not be allowed to do this um, as I, I can appoint anybody else to do the same things that I'm doing and the state would have no problem paying. Also, the state would also have no problem paying for me to put my daughter in a facility, which would be thousands of week, um, which is way more than what they would pay me to be her caregiver. Um, I could put Gabby into a specialized daycare. Again, that would be hundreds or thousands a week. And the state would have no problem at all for me, you know, paying for that if I put her into those programs. 
Um, so I really feel like it's, you know, if their excuse is to save money, this is definitely, you know, not the way to go about it. You think about how many parents cannot hold a job and they are left with the tough decision of no income, are placing their child in a facility with people who don't know them, um, you know, where the child is not getting love and compassion and attention every day, um, but they have no choice and the state is okay with that. And they are okay with paying thousands of dollars a week for that. You know, in my personal opinion, not to mention the fact that when you send your child to daycare or to a facility and they are coming in contact with so many other people, they are so much more likely to get different infections. Uh, they are more likely to get uh, different illnesses like colds and flus. And for children uh, that have diagnosis similar to Gabby, these children have to go to the hospital for that. Um, a lot of, some of them might succumb to those injuries uh, or those illnesses. You know, so now the state is also paying to take care of those children in the hospital for illnesses that could have been prevented had they been able to stay home. Yeah, there's children stuck in some of the children's hospitals right now for six months because they are not allowed to go home without nursing set up. And it's costing anywhere between $2,500 and $4,500 per day where something like this may be, let's say, 400 to 700 on a high end. Um, and so that's literally $4,000 times however many ch children that we're speaking of. So you're making amazing points. And, you know, and I think the idea that you've gotten the certification, you've gotten everything done, that you can literally pick other people to do it and that you're not allowed to is what's so interesting. And, you know, we discussed that there are people in Missouri because there's legislation that have passed that would allow a family like yours to do this. And there's people that are blocking it. So I'd be interested to know, like, what would you want to say to them? So as, as far as what I would want to say to them, you, you know, I just personally, in my opinion, I, I don't understand, you know, what would be the holdup. This is so much better for children to be in the home with people who love them and people who care for them where they feel safe and where they being, are being cared for. Um, I don't understand why they would want to prevent that. Um, I don't understand why they would not want to uh, start the process of letting parents do that. You know, as far as saving money, like we said, they would pay thousands um, a week for them to be in facilities when they could be saving a lot more money by keeping them in the home. Um, another thing that I would like to point out um, for lawmakers is that uh, when, a, when a parent has to have in-home nursing or put their child in a facility, um, you know, sometimes they still cannot have a decent paying job because of all the other duties that the child uh, requires. So now you have a very low paying job. You might have to call off a lot. You're not making a lot. And so a lot of these families are also on a temporary assistance in food stamps and other state programs, um, you know, energy assistance for their homes. And so that doesn't just, you know, come from anywhere. The state has to help with those as well. So now you're paying thousands of dollars for a child to be in a facility 
our thousands of dollars, you know, for daycare or for nursing. And then on top of that, they have to go into the hospital for illnesses. Now you're paying for that. You're paying for all of the state programs that the family has to use, like food stamps. Um, so you are coming out of so much more money than if you were to just pay the parent a decent amount to stay at home with that child, you are alleviating so much more funding that you could use in other programs um, or for other people. You know, some people really do need in-home nursing. You know, some children are extremely medically complicated and their parents cannot do it all on their own. A lot of those nursing, because there's such a nursing shortage, those parents can't get that. Um, And that's devastating for those particular families where someone uh, like Gabby does require nursing every day, life-saving nursing every day. She does need it and she does require it, but I can do this on my own. Um, So that would really alleviate a lot of stress for for the nurses um, and also for the family who really need those nurses. They can get them rather than families like mine taking some of those nurses away. Absolutely. You're making so many amazing points. Like there's families that are on food stamps and you're also paying for them to have nursing because it's hard for them to keep a job and it's hard for the nurses to be consistent. And instead we're saying, let's pay a family member. It's going to be a lower cost. It's going to be better for the child for a continuity of care. It's going to be a little help for you, Stephanie, who you deserve that a little extra money and extra help for your family And anyways, someone is supposed to be there and being paid to be there. So why not you? And I think you've made a lot of valid points around that. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I think that some some people uh, may be nervous that this program uh, might be taken advantage of by some people. And I would say to that, there, there are safeguards in place to prevent things like that. Um, you know, when I kind of started working with a team select on their pilot program, there was a nurse that would come in on a regular basis um, to kind of check with Gabby, make sure that everything that was getting done, uh, that was supposed to be getting done was getting done. Um, I had her number. I could call anybody I needed to, if there was ever an emergency, Um, we could talk frequently to discuss any changes to her care plan that may need to be made. Um, You know, they also have all of her information for her doctor's visits, um, their numbers as well. So there are safeguards in place to make sure that the nursing is getting done like there would be for anybody else that would come into the home. Um, So for anyone who would be nervous about, so, you know, someone taking advantage of that, um, you know, I think they can set those fears aside knowing that uh, companies like Team Select would make sure Um, that things like that would not happen. Absolutely. It's definitely more checks and balances um, in that process. First off, I just want to say thank you again for for joining. And I want to ask you one last question and just what what are your hopes for kiddos like your daughter, Gabriella? My biggest hope for Gabby... Um, is that just that she can thrive, that she can grow up and feel loved and feel supported, 
Um, you know, I want the very best for Gabby. I want the very best care for Gabby. Um, you know, I want her future to be bright, but most of all, I really want her to feel loved um, and to feel supported. And that is my goal. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Unforgotten Families podcast. Here at the Unforgotten Families, we are not currently asking for money. We are not currently putting advertisements on our podcast. What we are doing is trying to gather as many advocates around the country for these families and for this program as we possibly can. So if you're still here and you're wondering how you can support, what you can do is share this episode with a couple people that you either feel like will benefit from this program or that will want to become advocates, whether they are in Missouri or any other state. The second thing you can do is become an advocate yourself by going to our website, www.theunforgottenfamilies.com. There's a button in the upper right-hand corner that says Advocate. When you put in your information, we will notify you whenever there is any action to be had in your state. We really appreciate you listening. We appreciate you being a tough advocate. And we look forward to having you on the next episode. Thank you so much.